0: research is really important and thankfully we have a really big research team at disney we have a market research team and also more people who are oriented around user research and of course our product designers this is writers in tech a podcast where today's top content strategists ux writers and content designers share their well-kept industry secrets I'm truly excited to speak with you today. Thank you for joining me. Yeah, thanks. It's an honor to be talking to you and connecting with you because I feel like everyone has come into this field, whether it's UX writing, content strategy, even UX itself through many different paths. So for me, I actually started off, my very, very first career was in business. I was a business analyst. And then I got into UX around 2012 end of 2012. And my first UX job, I ended up working at an agency, working at startups and then working at enterprise. Mm -hmm. Are we talking about the UX agencies? Yeah, for UX. And for a lot of those roles, we didn't have a dedicated UX UI writer. So I would just be putting in most of the copy myself. But Since I like writing, I enjoyed that part and I really started to see how it impacted the product because a lot of times when we're doing user testing, what would happen is that the participants would get confused over the words, right? Of course. And just kind of realizing that so much of the interface is the words on the interface, is the language we use to explain onboarding everything. I started paying much more attention to it. And in my quote-unquote non-professional life, I just like to write a lot. It was around that time when I was getting into UX, I started uxbeginner.com. And that has grown and become a really fun outlet for me to connect with other people, mostly about transitioning into UX careers. And as I managed that blog and also managed my personal blog, ozchen.com, where I like to really talk about random personal development type of topics, like meditation and things like that. Over the last two, three years, I would say I started really paying attention and thinking of myself as a writer and also at the same time, not forgetting that design is problem solving. And I'm also a designer. So I see a lot of overlap between the two. To me, honestly, they're one and the same or just solving problems in different ways between writing and designing. And that brings me to basically a few content strategy focused roles, including the one I'm at today. Which is? So I'm a content strategist at Disney Parks, Experiences and Products.
1: I wrote a post maybe two years ago about what is similar between a UX designer and about Walt Disney. Something like that. It was maybe one of the first posts that I published and I'm a Disney fanatic.
0: Oh, really? Okay, that's great. Because you might actually know more about Disney than I do. Because (laughs) I'm learning more about Disney now, obviously. But I didn't grow up being as big of a Disney fanatic. (laughs) So what do you do at Walt Disney? At Disney, I'm part of a content strategy team of 10. And we are sitting within the design department. And even that has gone through many shifts. Maybe this will connect with a lot of people. Maybe you're in an organization that... Maybe content strategy or UX writing was sitting under product, which we were sitting under before. Maybe it was sitting under business. But now we kind of made a full circle and now we're reintegrated with the design department. So alongside UX designers, UI designers and product managers.
1: So you're a team of 10 and you're integrated with the design team. And what kind of projects do you guys produce? Which kind of digital products or is it
0: digital products or is it something else? It is digital products. We call it Disney Parks, Experiences and Products. A lot of people think of digital products in terms of like websites and apps. And that's absolutely true. And if you look at the Wikipedia of how much Walt Disney owns, it's insane. You know, of course, there's the big ones like Marvel and Star Wars. I think recently it's Hulu. But technically, everything that is under Disney, we could get a chance to work on. But our specific focus is parks-focused. So that's the main revenue driver for Disney. Um, You know, Disney World... Disneyland and the Disney's around the world. So that means all the websites like Disneyland.com, Disneyworld.com are mobile apps for each of the parks and a lot of mini sites here and there. So under our purview is basically in the content strategy team, all the content that goes into those app pages and web pages for the park.
1: And we're talking about
0: internal products that you have in the parks? Most of our Products that we work on are guest facing, meaning that if you want to download the My Disney Experience app, which is for Walt Disney World, it's a huge app in terms of the functionality inside and the information and that's available on iOS. One of the challenges that we tackle in our team is if we need to create a new page, let's say a new help type of page, should it be the same on both the website on DisneyWorld.com and on the app? the differences between platforms and really thinking about the use case of the content across touch points. Can you tell us about
1: a specific project or the most exciting project that you were working on
0: when working with Disney? I think that is a tough one in terms of mentioning specific names, but of projects, which I don't think I could do yet. But at a very general level, I think it's really fascinating to be touching content that gets see right on either the homepage or on our, what we call like detail pages and in our app. So if you imagine the different business lines at Disney, especially resorts, there's there are interesting things like using a digital key to enter your room door when you're at a Disney resort or doing things like online check-in. So there are very product-oriented things and features that we get to work on as content strategists. Especially when new features like that are launched, we kind of go through a cycle of how do we best explain that feature. Sometimes we even get to help in naming the feature to see if it makes sense.
1: So what is your process for setting up a project? So you told me about the structure of your team. So how is it to work with nine more content strategists and
0: How is your day in the life of a content strategist in Disney look like? Part of our workflow is that the work that comes to us, because we kind of work like an internal agency within Disney, taking and doing work across different business lines. The type of work that comes to us or that we seek out, we treat it in two ways. One as sustainment, which is kind of like ongoing work, like content updates, content operations. Hey, we have a new summer campaign we want to do at Disney World, for example, can we create a new page for that? So that's the type of work that we call sustainment. And the other type, we just call projects, which are deeper projects. They have features in them. They have a lot more complex flows. So between projects and sustainment within our team, there's more than enough work in which we each own a piece of it for example, someone on my team right now, she owns Alani, which is a Hawaiian Disney resort. And basically that means she's taking care of most of all the content updates and being in all the team meetings for upgrades to the site. And for me, I'm working on a lot of resort technology type of things like online check-in and things that you could do on mobile to either get around your resort or get into your room. I think only about like 25% of the time are two content strategists or more working on the same project. And that's usually, even then, it's usually we're transitioning work from one person to the other. But most of the time, we are taking some slice of work out of the big Disney pie. And it's a heck of a pie. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you said that you are
1: focusing on the online check-in. So in your process, you look on other Checking processes as a reference? Do you do research or you work with a research team?
0: Oh, yes. Research is really important. And thankfully, we have a really big research team at Disney. We have a market research team and also more people who are oriented around user research and, of course, our product designers. So from what we do at Content Strategy at Disney, a lot of times we feel like we are the integrators of a lot of that knowledge. A lot of it is pulling in data from our market research team and pulling in data from our own A-B testing analytics and also doing our own kind of like walkthrough of the product to make best practice recommendations. We do go through a cycle of definitely not just making a random content recommendation, but very much thinking about the context of the product. Where is the product sitting? Okay, is this product only going to be on the website or is it also going to be on the app? Is there also going to be a lot of touch points along the way? So I don't think the design process is that different in terms of what we do at Content Strategy. It's more about the way we think and the deliverables that we end up delivering. For example, when I was a UX designer, I would more or less go through, and this is just a term that I call myself, the 3D process like of discovery, defining, and then designing. And so if I apply that to what I do at Content Strategy right now, it's almost the same, but in the discovery phase, for example, I would be doing a content inventory and content audit, and I wouldn't necessarily do that type of work as a UX designer. I would also look at comparable pages and language that we had uh, before that might be relevant, uh, looking at research. So I see it as designing with words and really approaching that UX writing. It's like doing design, but through the lens of content.
1: That's so smart. And when you said content inventory and content audits, do you have some kind of internal or like, do you have kind of internal content style guide for Disney?
0: Yes. And I say that with with some hesitance because part of the structure here is that we have a sizable copywriting team. And within our agency structure, we have content strategists, copywriters, designers and product managers, and also project managers and a lot of the other tech roles like analytics. So because we sit so closely and collaborate with copy, it's actually the copywriting team who owns the style guide. I've done content strategy at a startup before, and I was doing everything from writing the style guide, voice and tone, all the way to like designing the interface. But at Disney, I think there was more opportunity for specialization. So depending On the project I'm on, I'm able to influence the copy a lot. The flows are more complex and there's more transactions going on. But in a lot of my other projects, I would be working with copy and they own the style guide and they have a lot more insight to the voice and tone that we use.
1: And how does the content audit look like? Is it like kind of a template that you use or it looks different
0: with every project? In our team, we try to create templates that may be useful based on the different products that we have. But I would say in reality, most of the time, we just end up making our own and adapting it. Like screenshots and Google Doc content audit or more structured as a Google Sheets? Google Sheets is my best friend. (laughs) Uh, I love it so much. Yeah, so I use Google Sheets a lot. Almost any content audit, I start with Google Sheets and I usually end up delivering it as a Google Sheet. Maybe it's a Google Slide as a presentation, but with data that I built in Google Sheets. Yes. I used to think content inventories and audits were complex, but they're not too complex. I think it just comes down to the business use case. And for me, what's been more important to think about is who is the audience I'm delivering this to in terms of my business stakeholders? Because a lot of people, they might be thinking, oh, great, you did a content audit. Why do I care? Right. (laughs) I try to start with the end in mind, which is really identifying the content problems and then explaining upfront why I'm doing a content audit in the first place. A lot of those things look like identifying the number of pages that we have to change content for. And another aspect is if we're updating some type of term, a lot of times we're, let's say I'm looking for a reference to online check in, I have to basically scour the site for instances of those URLs. To be like, okay, the new product that we're designing, it's going to change online check-in. So we definitely need to know all the entry points to it. It would be documenting those. So I do find that you know, when I first started in content strategy, it was easier for me to treat it as a deliverable. But sometimes that didn't work so well because how it impacts the business is not as clear. So now I really try to explain that rationale in the beginning of like why it's important specifically to this project, why certain things should be documented.
1: This is uh, super interesting because so many people ask me today, how can I sell UX writing for my organization? Or how can I make people care more? Disney makes sense that they realize that they need content strategists, but there is big companies out there today that are not hiring writers to work with them in the product teams. And a lot of writers don't know how to make the organization realize that it's important. And you said something really smart, which is that you need to speak in the language that the business owners, stakeholders understand, which is how my work affects your
0: business. Exactly. And I think what's happening behind that from a trends standpoint, from a cultural standpoint, like why that is, it's happened to UX and design as well as slowly where I've seen that for business to take some of these newer roles seriously, what has to happen is a shift in mentality from production, like making wireframes, making words, just write some copy on a page, to strategy, which is how is this actually going to impact our customers and our business And I think for a good reason, that's why you see a lot of the UX writing departments now, they are a sub department of design or UX. So it's almost like they're drafting behind UX and design, which totally makes sense because I think right now, at least in tech, UX and design has kind of reached a level of important business need and recognition from business leaders. Um, even if they don't know UX that well, business people know that they need UX.
1: Right. But many business people would say, wait, but what's the ROI of UX? Exactly. And how can you prove that? Like, Sometimes you can measure, you can say, okay, this piece of copy converts 25% better than that piece of copy or this experiment that we had brought more users back to our product. But if we don't have those analytical tools or we don't have the options to to test it like that. So how can we prove the return of investment of user experience design
0: and writing? I do think this is a big battle that is won over several small fights. What I mean by that is to get buy-in from stakeholders, I think it is just project by project showing the value of that thing, whether it's UX writing or UX and content strategy. And part of it is just Trying to tie it back into the business in some way. So, one way to do that is helping product and business understand the scale of a content problem, which is if we say things here in one way and this is potentially a sensitive item, maybe it's a new feature or a wording or error message or a very common stopping point in the flow, to recognize that, to help them recognize that how many people go through this flow and Maybe it's not only this flow, but it touches both a website and mobile, and we're going to also reference it in social and email. So playing out the scale that of that content is often something I rely on to reinforce the importance of, hey, you know, we're not just writing copy here, but this part actually needs a lot of strategy and research. Yes, and you've been creating
1: great content for the content strategy community. I've been uh, seeing a few of your articles there was an article about the five planes of content strategy. Right. right? Those kind of articles can really help our listeners to build themselves some structured processes for proving the value of content strategy in UX writing. So I think it's uh, super valuable. And uh, can you tell us a little bit more about the five uh,
0: planes of content strategy? Absolutely. I think that when we don't have to reinvent the wheel why not use something that's uh, already existing model that works or learn from it? And that model, the five planes, is coming from Jesse James Garrett's book, "The Elements of User Experience," where he outlines these five planes. I call them five s's as well because all these planes start with the letter "s. So at a foundational plane, it is, and imagine this is the approach to building a digital product or experience. So, a strategy as the very bottom foundational plane, and then you move up into the next one, which would be scope, and then strategy, structure, skeleton, and then surface. You don't have to remember those exactly like that, but just knowing that each plane will affect the one above it, meaning that, let's say, a surface, that's the final UI, the thing that the customer looks at if the structure of the application or or web app doesn't make sense, it has a disproportionate effect on the UI, meaning that even if the UI looks good, it might not make any sense at all, given the structure. Or if we get the foundational level wrong, the strategy plane, and that might be targeting the right user or really thinking about the right persona, then the rest of our app, even if we have an amazing IA, can really suffer because the, the strategy doesn't make sense. So I think that in itself is a great model. It's something I rely on a lot when I'm confused about where I am in a project, but how it applies to content strategy that I really saw in my own work, because th- there's a lot of questions like, you know, what's the difference between like UX and content strategy? Where does design uh, start and end? And then, then where does content strategy start? So in this biplanes planes model, Imagine that split down the middle, and this is straight from Jesse James Garrett, straight down the middle, it's a split between functionality and information. On the left-hand side of this five planes model is if you're a UX designer, you're often more thinking about all those planes through the lens of product as functionality, uh, features and things I could push and interact with. And on the other side is when I rediscovered this model, it became clear to me that that's where content strategy and UX writing can occupy, which is product as information. If you just think about like the products in our lives as information could be newyorker.com or time.com, a lot of uh, publishing heavy types of places, but also within a mixed experience within an app as well. So. If we were looking at uh, Airbnb, for example, um, there's a huge part that we could look at it through the lens of product as functionality, how do I book a room or an experience? But in terms of product as information, how we could look at it through that lens is, is booking a room the best call to action? Can it be something else? What about all the help content that goes to explain how a homeowner uh, should should rent out their place. So I find that seeing things through that lens really helped me understand the interplay between UX and content strategy and the differences between.
1: This is super interesting way to look at it because we still can see today, like visual designers, that their process starts with the surface and they just don't strategize that much. I'm talking more about like less experienced product designers, but many people, Start designing products without strategizing it first and without understanding the scope and the structure. And it's super important for the product designer and for the UX writer or the content strategist. And uh, that was a great post. I will put it in the show notes, actually. Oh, thank you. You start saying before about UXBeginner.com. How did you thought about
0: this uh, project? It really started off as documenting my own learnings as I was entering and transitioning into... The UX industry. So at that time, around 2012, 2013, it was still relatively new. So when I was talking about UX and telling my friends about UX and finding a UX job, a lot of them were then becoming interested afterwards. Like, oh hey, you know, what what is what is UX? How did you get into it? And at a certain point, I figured it was just easier to write and document that down and share an article with them rather than. Um, have the same physical conversation over and over again. And so it, it really began as that.
1: I feel like the best way also to learn something new is to, to teach it or to document your learning process
0: with others so they can learn from it too. I totally agree. And, and I see you do an amazing job with that with UX Writing Hub. You know, it's, it's a great educational resource that I see uh, only getting better. And this is a new, this is a new field. So we, we need as much education as possible. Yeah,
1: thank you. You know, just documenting and uh, speaking with people and this podcast too, you know, just learning from other people's experience is the best thing. And I think that the listeners right now also are, are uh, learning so much from you. Like when you talk about your process, this uh, needs, super important.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And with UX Beginner, I think as it grew, on one hand, I think it's it's a resource I want to keep continuing to build for people just interested in UX in general. But it's it's become really fun for me as a content strategist to look at my own blog and think about it through the lens of uh, UX writing and content strategy. Like I have an email list, and how should I segment that email list better, and also you know, about the information architecture, like is my, does my menu work and things like that. So I think that it's been, I have a renewed interest in my own project looking at uh, through that lens. And I heavily encourage every content strategist, UX writer out there, uh, especially if they're starting out, to, to write actually. And it's very powerful if you run your own blog because at least you get your own experience Either trying to build an audience experience, creating content. You could even use your own blog to, to test out new deliverables you want to practice. Maybe it's a content inventory. I did a content audit of my own site and realized, and before I never did that, before I started learning about content strategy. But after doing the content audit, I realized how many things were wrong with my own blog. Like they're really old blog posts with the wrong formatting and weird. WordPress code snippets hanging out there. And so I think my best advice for someone who's interested in entering and transitioning into this industry is to write and and start your own blog. Mm -hmm. And
1: also, I think that as a UX designer, you need to present your, if you build a portfolio, and you have to document like your thing and your process and you have to write about your process. And it's not enough just to put screenshots of your final project you need to write some kind of a case study or use case so your future client or future employer could actually understand what happened behind the scenes
0: exactly yeah yeah in our industry that's become the new standard where in our work we have to weave in storytelling we have to write about the context about the strategy and rationale like why are we showing the screen
1: Mm mm-hmm And let's say right now that we have uh, listeners. So I'll tell you a little bit about our listeners. Some of them are copywriters that don't know much about UX, but uh, they want to get into the field of UX writing. Some of them, just like you, started as product designers or UX designers, and they want to know more about UX writing. So... You did a transition from business analyst first and then to UX designer and then to content strategist. So how do you recommend them to get started?
0: There's so many great resources. I'll answer the first one and thanks for re-explaining that to me. For writers, copywriters, if you're working with content and you want to get a formal role in content strategy or UX writing, there's a few philosophical things you could do. From a philosophical standpoint, at the end of the day, if you're a writer, you are already impacting the user experience at some point because someone's experiencing those words that you put together. So, philosophically, I think it's just more about that person really understanding how this works in products and experiences at a bigger scale. It might be perhaps a copywriter has been working mostly on marketing copy, uh, doing email automations, for example. So to move into a role where you're doing UX writing for, let's say, like, like Uber or Airbnb, you have to really think about those products and the context in which they're in and their users. So the level of writing and the type of writing changes in terms of uh, who am I writing for? Uh, what platform am I writing on? Should the writing adapt to different user needs, and really thinking in terms of flows. Because I do think that just using that marketing example, if we're writing marketing copy, a lot of times it's, it's static and one and done. But within UX writing, a lot of times it belongs in a longer continuum of a flow. So it's not just about writing um, one thing right, but how it connected from the thing that you said before, and then the thing that you're going to say later. Maybe it is a introductory uh, tutorial where you scroll through maybe like five slides, right? That, that's all kind of interdependent on each other. So there's a lot more of thinking in flows. So I encourage aspiring UX writers to think more in flows. How does this impact this and then impacts that?
1: Right, like in the five planes, to think about the structure before you are moving to the
0: skeleton and the surface. Exactly. Yeah, just taking a step back and, and looking at the experience that you want to build.
1: Right, and then you can map different kind of touch points also
0: that you haven't thought about before. That's a really good point. Like if, if you're building a flow and you know that there's this other, uh, let's say feature or piece of information that's really relevant, how do you weave that in? How can you maybe have uh, think about the content hierarchy? Like, okay, I know once a user lands on at this place, this is the main message I want to tell them. But I have some screen real estate to tell them a secondary message. How do I make sure that they really get the first one and take that first action? But if they need the second one, how do I make it so that they know it's there, but it's not competing with, with the first message that's speaking to structure and content hierarchy? And I think that's a good example of, you know, copywriters thinking about, you know, how, how UX writing is, is distinct from the writing that they do.
1: The mission at the end of the day is to create better collaborations between product designers and uh, product writers or content strategists or UX writers. And uh, there is a lot of uh, curiosity (laughs) for many UX designers about how they should collaborate with UX writers because they need each other. In many organizations, you don't have a specific uh, Mm -hmm. method for that. So uh, that's uh, why I asked about that persona.
0: Having gone through that transition myself that the best thing I could tell product and UX designers who want to collaborate more with UX writing or are confused about like where they stand with UX writing is to uh, is to try out a sample exercise because like words are hard actually and require a lot of time and iteration and I think a lot of designers would be surprised that if they were to rewrite a flow um, with uh, new parameters, actually giving that uh, process a shot, they might find it just as challenging as knocking out a new set of wireframes. And I think where that sentiment comes from is because even designers can think of words and copy as a as a um, production-oriented thing, like oh, we just need some words here. But um, if they try it out and there's some Really great resources around that. There are, um, what is it, like a a, a mini course on UX writing uh, Mm -hmm. or like daily uh, daily UX writing challenges. At least trying one or two of those really develops an appreciation for UX writing. That's one thing I think all of us can do. Especially UX designers. And the other part, like I think what's important as an output from that is just really knowing the level of thought and strategy that goes into it. And I think that's more of a a cultural shift that does start changing how UX writing is treated from a local level. Maybe that local level might be before a writer wasn't as involved early on in a project from the design team, and now they are brought in from the very beginning because it's kind of understood that the experience and the words um, have to be one and the same. Mm-hmm. They need to have a seat at the table. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I, th- I think just trying it out can be the most humbling and eye-opening experience.
1: That was a great point. Thank you for that. So before we finish, I want to ask you one last question a little bit about um, iterating and testing your copy. So we will start saying something about it, but I'm very curious if you have some kind of a methodology or maybe a tool that, that you're working with that help you to uh, test your copy and
0: optimize it? Yeah, kind of trying to answer the question of when am I done with the content, right? After going through so many iterations, how do I know that this will work or this is the best? And, and I think that this is where the overlap comes from, from design process and UX. You could test it, right? And I, I don't think it's worth it to test everything uh, because that could drive us crazy. So I, I would really think first about like the level of impact that one piece of content, you know, will have. So in a team environment, a lot of times that looks like choosing our battles, like choosing to spend your energy on the content that you really feel passionate about and you think will make a big impact. And after choosing that, there are a lot of tools like uh, I like usertesting.com. Uh, user testing and um, uh, it, it's great for rapid testing. Although, you know, there's, there's tons of options out there. In lieu of... For the listeners that don't know
1: what's user testing, is,
0: so this is a tool that you
1: define some kind of a test that you want to do. And then uh, if uh, you send it to a group of testers and that platform allows you to do the test that you just defined, right?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. User Testing.com is kind of the 800-pound gorilla in the UX tools world. So that's a great resource. But essentially, what we're trying to get at is, you know, we created something that we think is good, probably with our own biases. How can we design a test so that other people can experience it and give us real feedback? And so I I say that because usertesting.com can be expensive. It might require like a corporate budget or account. So, you know, at a local level, someone might be even able to test it with their team, for example, internally, just to get a gauge. Um, There are other ways, um, depending on the type of content, you might even be able to send out a survey or uh, ask on the microcopy Facebook group or content strategist group. There are less formal and less rigorous, but still can be just as insightful ways to um, a lot more rigor, a lot more uh, higher budget type of ways to test that content. Another way in terms of trying to operate quickly and if you don't have a budget is comparative analysis. Sometimes it does come down to looking at, all right, I'm not sure how to design this flow or what to call this button. So let's say I'm working in the hotel space. Maybe I'll look at the top you know, five to 10 hotels to see what they call reserving a room or booking a room. And, and, mm-hmm. and drawing knowledge from there. Um, I think at least doing that when someone's unsure is uh, that's at least better than nothing.
1: I think so too, for sure. That's uh, like looking on competitors or indirect competitors and see how they
0: would behave on those scenarios. That's a great tip. And I have one last one, which I think is often overlooked, is if you have access to customer service, which is a customer service department that's handling a lot of questions, a lot of customer complaints, that can usually be a goldmine because that gives you a direct sense of how users are thinking about things. And maybe they have a one mental model of like how one feature works and they're phrasing things in a certain way. And we could take that and weave that into our product so that it makes more sense to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: you know, you have few points to to say about everything you just said because that was brilliant. So first of all, when I used to work for SodaStream, so I booked a meeting with the customer. A service team for two hours and I worked for days and days and days of the, for this uh, on this project but the two hours that I had with the customer service was mm-hmm. the most insightful two hours that I had for this project and I think that's what made it such a, a, a big success because um, looking back it was a successful project the second thing I want to say is that uh, I know that the team of booking.com and this is a fun story so they ha- their headquarters are in Amsterdam and uh, they have a collaboration with Starbucks Cafe that their uh, copywriting team can just go to Starbucks, uh, offer <laughs> uh, the tourists uh, coffee for a test.
0: Ah, that's awesome. Right? <laughs>
1: that's awesome collaboration. Yeah. yeah, and it's like not expensive, obviously. And, uh, and it's not that Booking.com don't ha- doesn't have money. They have plenty. But this is a great resource, right? Yeah, that's a great resource. Just speaking with your users, because, you know, in Amsterdam, everybody's our tourist. So just speaking with your users, testing on them, if they
0: would like to collaborate, I think that also uh, can be a great tip. Sometimes the simple thing feels like the hard thing, right? Which is, yeah, it's a simple thing of, all right, I should probably go and talk to users or do some research. But then it, it, I do get that there could be a resistance to it or it, it might not be the most obvious thing when you're heads down trying to crank out content by the next day, but it does help.
1: Right, and I think that companies should encourage that because like you can always outsource your testing, but I heard some experiences from people that uh, use the uh, user Zoom or user testing. Most of the experiences was very successful, but sometimes you feel like, the person on the other side just wants to get his daily or her daily fee, just uh, filled it data because they're not real users and you can't, and we're biased at some point. So,
0: talking with real users can be, can be really cool in that manner. I think for that reason, like us being in this industry and in the broader tech and design industry is really fun because part of the meta problem is how do we account for our biases? When we're creating something, I think that applies across you know, all roles. Right. And so, the, even if you speak with your real users, you wouldn't get the real,
1: uh, the real uh, answers. Like, if you were speaking with a person before he's going to buy groceries and you will ask them, What are you going to buy? they will say, I'm going to buy a cucumber. But then, when you see that the same person going out of the grocery store, you will see them with cucumber, chocolate, tomato, and eggplant. And they couldn't explain why they bought it, but they didn't act like they talk about how they're going to act.
0: Did it make sense? Oh, totally. Intent is different from, from action, right? Like exactly. What, what users say is very often not what they do. I've definitely really sweated out the details of like content that I would put on an app screen before. And when I saw users try uh, going through the experience, I realized that in the context of what, of how they were using it, which is in the park, they barely read it, you know, they, they, they barely read it. And it came down to, at least for that one flow, big pictures and big button. And so really seeing how users behave with your product or experience. Yeah, that's a gold mine.
1: I totally agree. Oh, thank you so much for being here today. I had a lot of fun speaking with you and I learned a lot. And I'm sure that the listeners are going to learn a lot from it too. Before we wrapping it up, I'm going to head in the show notes, the uxbeginner.com website, your project. I see that you have their free resources for people that just getting into UX. So I think it's super valuable. Also going to put a link to
0: your website and anywhere else listeners can find you. I think that's a great start. UX Beginner for those who are interested in UX and ozchen.com is where I'm writing and putting all my thoughts on content strategy. And also, if you sign up, you're going to get some pretty random personal thoughts from me about non-content strategy stuff as well. But that, that is where I'm, I'll be posting all my content strategy and UX writing related articles. Perfect. So thank you so
1: much for being here with me today.
0: Thank you, Yuval. This has been really fun. would love to do it again. And I think you've built a great community. I just want to encourage you to you know, keep it up, keep doing it.
1: Thanks. I really appreciate it, you know?
0: Absolutely. Well, you have a great day. You too. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Writers in Tech. If you like our podcast, then leave us a rating and subscribe so you're updated when a new show comes out. For more UX writing goodies, sign up for our UX writing newsletter at uxwritinghub.com. Thanks again. And that's all for this week.